Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Finding Home podcast, where home is more than just the sticks and the bricks that you live in. My name is Keith, and I am your host. I know that at the end of the last episode, I mentioned we would be talking about the public school system and the advent of that and how that all came about. And to be fair, I started recording all about that, and it is just horrifyingly dull and boring. And so I need to find a better way to tell the story. So we're going to put the pause on the whole schooling situation and maybe not even get into that till here further on down the road when I interview uh, a few educators and we can discuss that then. As it stands... Uh, Some interesting things are happening, and I know that ostensibly this is supposed to be a podcast about real estate, and it's not going to tend to talk mostly about real estate. Uh, We rely heavily on nostalgia and stories and such around here, but I do want to talk just briefly today. This is probably going to be a a short episode, but I want to get it out. I want to get it out there fairly quickly because this is something that's on everybody's mind. It's May of 2017. It can seem like the real estate market is just absolutely batty right now. Just crazy. There are tons of home buyers. There's not a lot of homes for sale. Uh, Property values are going up. There's highly competitive market as far as if you're a buyer. And it kind of feels a little bit like it did before the market crashed 10 years ago. And it seems like a lot of people are concerned that potentially we're walking into the same kind of market that we were previously. And people are a little bit gun shy in particular about putting their homes on the market and then finding a new home to upgrade essentially because they're afraid that the market will crash and they'll lose all that home's value because of just how crazy things are. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and how the market right now is different than it was back in the day when everything fell apart because it feels really similar. And that's the hard part for everybody to kind of deal with is that we kind of go off emotions. You know, we make these emotional decisions and we, we like to think that we're logical people, but generally we check the emotional temperature before we even start to think about the logical temperature. And right now, emotionally, the market feels really weird and the market feels like we're walking right into a bubble. And so I want to talk a little bit. I mean, I want to talk about that. Let me start this whole conversation by saying real estate is cyclical. Okay, it goes up and it goes down. Now, what we experienced back in 2007 and 2008 was something remarkable. You know, it was the biggest recession since <laughs> the Great Depression, a lot of people said. And so, of course, the housing market was impacted negatively because the housing market was part of what drove the insane growth. So, let's talk a little bit about that growth first. Then, we'll talk about what's happened over the last 10 years. And then we can talk about where things are going right now and kind of what I see happening in the future. And so, again, this is going to be a pretty real estate heavy episode, but I I just want to get all this stuff out there so that you have it and you can hear it and, and understand what's happening in the market right now. What happened back in uh, the mid-2000s, the, the early decade, the, the mid part of the first decade was just explosive growth. And it was driven by a lot of things. I mean, if you've read or watched the big short, you can kind of get a handle on what was going on. But the simple version is people who had no business getting home loans were getting home loans and they were able to buy houses. And in a lot of cases, they were able to lie about their income in order to qualify for more home. Now, 
if you were around at that time, you may have actually taken part in this, and it was what was called a stated income loan. And it wasn't just the stated income loans that were the problem. I mean, they were a part of the problem. But the big problem was that people were leveraging themselves all the way to their max, and sometimes even lying about their income on a stated income loan in order to leverage themselves to the max. And they were getting what was called a 228 or a 327 arm. And a 228 or a 327 arm was a fixed rate mortgage for a period of two years or three years. After that, the rate could fluctuate. And in a lot of cases, the rate would jump after the initial two or, th- or the initial three year period by one or two percentage points. So instead of having a 6% or a 6.5% interest rate, you suddenly had a 7.5% or an 8.5% interest rate. And for a lot of these people, they were already stretched to the max and were barely able to afford the homes when they had the lower fixed rate. So when the rates went up, they could just no longer afford the home because they had over-leveraged themselves. In a lot of cases, they had leveraged themselves beyond what they were actually making anyway because they were using these stated income loans, which is essentially you being able to say, I make this much, and the bank saying, okay, we believe you. And so in the industry, they became known as what was called a liar's loan because people would just lie about their income in order to qualify for the home that they wanted. In very few cases was the home that they wanted the home they could actually afford. Again, if you've read or watched The Big Short, you know that then they took these really crappy loans, these loans that were not good, and they started packaging them and selling them in these packages from place to place to place, and they really had no value. But what that caused was everybody was able to buy, so home values just were skyrocketing. We were looking at double-digit increases every six months. It was insanity. It was just absolute nuts, and that drove prices up artificially. Because the reality was that people were borrowing more than they were supposed to. And the whole market got all wonky as a result. Because we just kept having values go up and up and up. Because people were able to borrow whatever they wanted. On top of that, it wasn't like it is now. Like back back in the day, I had an appraiser. right? As a real estate agent, I had an appraiser. And my appraiser's name was Joe. And I really liked Joe. But the thing about Joe was he wanted my business. And he wanted to keep getting my clients ordering their appraisals through him. So whatever the value of the home was, the appraiser would really try and hit that, even if sometimes they had to stretch a little bit further. And that also drove prices up because it was so competitive and there were so many buyers out there that there were these competing offers, which is why it feels like it does now. Because right now, in 2017, it seems like there's a million buyers out there and they're all having to deal with competing offers. And that's the emotional memory. That's, that's what we're remembering what it felt like. The difference, of course, being that these buyers are actually qualified and also there's just no inventory right now, and we'll get into that here shortly. But let's finish up our little history lesson, and then we'll proceed as to why the current market is different than the previous market. So all along the way, you had people who were in the industry who were... Uh, incentivized, basically, to get people to stretch themselves further than they needed to be. You had lenders who would get paid more if they were able to raise people's rates. It was it was crazy. And I don't really want to get too far into the nuts and bolts of that, but suffice it to say that there was a lot of reasons for a lot of people to do some fraudulent or borderline fraudulent things in order to make some money or in order to purchase a home. And then when the market crashed, all the chickens came home to roost, so to speak. And that's what caused us to lose so much value because we had gained value artificially. So at the top of the market, before everything fell apart, we had these really high home values. 
in Utah, our average home price at the peak of the market was $285,000, roughly. And after the, the crash at the, at, the, at the low point, our average home price was $235,000. So statewide, we kind of lost you know, that chunk, that $50,000 across the board in terms of averages. Now, if you compare that with other markets, we actually did pretty well. Las Vegas, for example, their average home price at the peak of the market was like $535,000. And as it all slumped down, their average went down to $285,000, so like a 40%. Just crazy decrease, right? So we did okay. But the the reality was a lot of people ended up now upside down on their mortgages because their house values had been inflated artificially. Now, what I found out just, just in January of this year is that we've just recently returned to pre-recession levels of home values. And what I've been saying to people is it should have taken us this long to get to these values anyway. So really all we did was we spiked, everything fell apart, and then we had to build it back up. But that confidence in the market has brought with it some complications, which is what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with all sorts of things out there in terms of so many buyers, and especially here in Utah, we've just got tons of people moving to Utah. I can't remember the numbers, but essentially we're gonna have more people coming into the state this year than we'll have housing units to, to, to house them. And that has also something to do with new construction being delayed in serious ways. If you, right now, again, in May of 2017, if you were to go start a new construction project, it's probably not going to be ready until February of March of 2018, because there's all sorts of stuff going on, principally trade delays, which just means there's not enough framers and plumbers and electricians to build all the homes to meet the demand of the people who are moving into Utah. So anyhow, everything fell apart. And everybody lost their home value. And we finally have just got back to pre-recession levels. Most people aren't underwater on their mortgages anymore. Those who were going to lose their homes to foreclosure via short sale process have already really done so. There's a good healthy market right now, but people are gun shy. And I think they're gun shy because again, like I mentioned, this market currently feels a lot like it did back when everything fell apart. You've got high demand. You've got what seems like uh, no inventory. You've got competing offers. Buyers are having to make offers on four or five homes before they get the home that they want. It's, it's crazy pants out there right now. But that has less to do with sketchy loans and more to do with just that we have an inventory shortage. And so the case I'm going to make right now is that maybe you might consider upgrading your home. And I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why. But let me tell you first why this market is different than it was before even though to you emotionally and to everybody emotionally, it feels very similar. The first thing to remember is that these buyers now are actually qualified. The stated income loan is pretty much a thing of the past. Now here, there are some cases in which you can get a stated income loan with 20% down, but also your rate is going to be like 7%. Whereas right now, average rates are hovering around 3.754%. So you're paying a hefty, hefty fee, basically, in your interest rate if you do a stated income loan. So it's not that everybody and their dog can get a stated income loan, but people with very specific situations can do so. So it's not questionable loans. Most people aren't buying 228 or 327 arms. I know they exist still, but for the most part, people are sticking with 30-year fixed and in some cases, 15-year fixed rate mortgages. That helps the market stay healthy because somebody who's going to qualify for a 30-year mortgage, they know what the payment's going to be. These things aren't going to change. Their payment's not going to go up and go down based on the market because their rate is going to be fixed. 
That's why everybody for the last seven years has told you, don't get an adjustable rate mortgage. Make sure it's a fixed rate mortgage. And that's why. So that's the other reason why it's different than it was then, because the demand for housing is driven by people who are qualified to get these loans. Another reason that this current market isn't like it was before is that there are some safeguards in place to protect the consumer. One of these things are some safeties in place around closing procedures and the amount of money and where it's going and who it's coming from is all far more transparent now than it ever was before, which allows you as the consumer to make a better choice about what kind of mortgage loan you're going to get and you knowing how much money is going where. Also, you're able to know that you're getting the very best rate possible for your situation. That really wasn't something that happened before. Before you could have loan officers who are making two or 3% of the total loan amount in secret, just by hiking up your rate a little bit. So there's that. And one other safeguard they put in place is that I don't have an appraiser anymore. They've actually put a wall between the appraisers and the people requesting their services. There's a whole cottage industry that's grown up called appraisal appraisal management companies, and that's who you order the appraisal through. But the reality is you can't have a personal relationship with the appraiser because that could potentially color what the appraiser is going to do. So while we've seen this high demand stuff and we've seen people making just obscene, crazy offers on homes, we've also seen a lot of appraisals coming in lower than the agreed upon purchase price. So for example, if somebody puts their house up at 250,000, that's a really high demand market segment right now. So they put their house up at 250,000 and they have 30 people through in the first weekend and they get seven to 10 offers on that property. Somebody's going to be offering 275, 280, $285,000 on that property. Now as a seller, you look at that and you think, oh, it's great. That's 30,000 more than I was expecting. This is going to be awesome. But the problem is that if the property does not appraise for 285000 or 280000 you're kind of stuck as the seller. And so if you're using a, a real estate agent, hopefully your agent is educating you that that's a possibility. And if they're not, man, give me a call and we'll actually talk about real numbers. But this is what's happening in the market right now is that homes are not appraising for what people are saying they're willing to pay for it. And some people are taking advantage of that. There are buyers out there who are offering just obscene amounts for homes and counting on the fact that the house won't appraise. And that once it's that far down the road, the seller's just going to agree to sell for the appraised value. And this can cause a lot of problems for sellers because oftentimes as a seller, you've already started spending that money in your head. And to have an appraisal come in ten, fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 less than the purchase price you were counting on that can really mess you up inside. So again, hopefully you've got a real estate agent that's educating you properly on that, should that be the case. So what we have now is where the market feels very similar to how it felt before, it's different in some key ways. Most of those being that there are controls in place to make sure that property values aren't just going off the rails and going nuts. Which brings us to what do you do now? Okay, maybe you own a property and you're thinking of selling it and buying another property, but you're afraid of a crash. Or maybe you own a property and you want to try and time it just right where you can sell your property at the top of the market and buy your property at the bottom of the market. And I'm not sure that's a risk that you should take because we don't know. We don't know when what is going to happen. I can tell you what I think is going to happen. And maybe that'll help you to make a decision as we go along. First of all, I think it's going to remain relatively the same as it is right now for the rest of this year and potentially into next year. Maybe it'll taper off in the fall assuming things don't change. Now, if a bunch of homeowners decide they want to put their house on the market, that's going to impact things. But it seems like people are still a little bit gun shy. 
It's a great seller's market, but a lot of people are trying to time the market. And when you try to time the market, you tend to miss it. So assuming things stay the same inventory-wise, which I think they will, we've still got another eight to 10 months of a market that looks like what we're looking at right now. And then I think it's gonna level off a little bit next year, early next year. And when I say level off, I mean, it's not gonna change that much, but we might have enough inventory to where a house will be on the market for six or seven days before it goes under contract, as opposed to going under contract in the first 24 hours that it's on the market. That allows people to make better buying decisions. It allows people to make decisions based on the data and based on a little bit more logic and less on the pure emotional impact of losing four properties and then just having to get this one because otherwise you're not gonna be able to get it. So I think that's gonna happen. What else is gonna help with this whole situation is interest rates are gonna to continue to creep up. Now they, they had a spike after the election and then they've come back down, which doesn't make any sense at all, but they're going to go back up and that's gonna impact your purchasing power. You know, if interest rates go up, let's say on a $300,000 loan, if interest rates go up by 1%, so if we go from 3.75 to 4.75, that's going to impact your purchasing power by like 40 grand. So the house that you're waiting for the market to correct, and when the market corrects, the rates are going to have gone up because the rates are going to what are going to cause the market to correct in terms of values. So as you're waiting for values to go down, rates are just going to go up. You're going to screw yourself out of the property. Okay. Don't try and time the market. Right now we're in, we're in a market that's, that's climbing. And you can take advantage of that market because we know what's happening right now. And we know the circumstances surrounding this market. So if you were to put your house up for sale this month, and while it would be hard to find your next property, you'd be able to get into a house and improve your situation. Whereas once rates go up, you might just see a lateral shift. You might just move because you feel like it, but it's not going to get you into a better property because your purchasing power will be impacted by interest rates being higher and property values will stop climbing the way that they are. So if you find yourself waiting for the market to crash to get your good deal, you're probably not going to get any better deal than, you, than you'll get now. But in a, it, of course, right now we're in a climbing market. So to me, <laughs> today's the day right? You say, when's the best time to buy your new house? It's right now. You just got to have some patience. Now, what you can do if you have a home to sell and what you're afraid of is that you're not gonna be able to find another home. That's a pretty easy solve. If you've got a high demand home, then you can make some demands as the seller that buyers are going to go with because they want to get the house. One of those being that you can make your contract contingent on you locating a new property, which means you're not going to end up homeless, which is what most people are afraid of. I think right now selling their home and ending up homeless but that's not going to happen to you because you'll work with a professional, whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, it doesn't really matter, but you want to work with a professional who's going to talk to you about your options. And then when you get the seven, eight, nine offers on your house, you can engage, you're going to get your asking price. You know, as long as you're priced properly for the market, you're going to get your asking price, but then you can demand certain conditions of your buyer that make it easier for you to take your next step. And I can tell you right now, it's a good time to buy, even though it's a highly competitive market. It's a good time to get into a house because prices are going to continue to go up. And when the market corrects, when it does correct, and it will correct, okay, the market will experience a correction, but it's not going to lose 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and $60,000 in value. We're not going to see double digit corrections over the course of a year. We're not going to see that again because the market is built differently now and it's built on stronger principles. So if you're waiting for something to happen, like what happened in 2007, 2008, you're not going to get it. 
At least that's what I think, you know, based on everything that I'm seeing and based on all my time in the industry, that's not what you're going to get. So if you're waiting for the $500,000 house to suddenly cost $350,000, those days are gone. Now, and that may happen again in another 70, 80, 90 years, depends on how short our memory is. But we're not going to see a correction like we saw the last time again and again and again. Most corrections in real estate are pretty small. And that means two things. One is that the house you buy isn't going to lose all of its value overnight. And the second thing is, it doesn't make sense to wait for the market to fall apart before you pick up a piece of property. And let me tell you the last reason I think it's a good time to to move now. It's a good time to make a move now. And that's it here in the Salt Lake Valley. Well, let me, let me get back. Let me tell the story the way I tell my clients the story. I, I had this client. He lived here for a minute. His name was Fred. And I really liked Fred because he was a good human being, but also because Fred owned a little single propeller airplane. And his wife was sick of going flying with him. And Fred and I became friends. So Fred would take me flying from time to time. And one time we didn't have much time because usually we would like to like fly up to Logan and then fly into Ogden and get lunch at the little fly-in restaurant that they have down there. We'd fly out to Wendover, um, but we didn't have much time. So we we're just kind of flying out over the west side of the valley. And this, remind, let me remind you, this was six, seven years ago. And when you're driving through the west side of the Salt Lake Valley, it feels like there's a ton of land out there. But when you fly over the valley and you look down, you see really how little is left. And guys, <laughs> there's not much. There's not much left. If growth happens the way it looks like it's happening and continues to happen steady in terms of growth over the next five, six, seven years, we're going to lock up the rest of the buildable land here in Salt Lake Valley. And when that happens, you'd better own something. Because when that happens, when the land locks up, when there's no more room to build, that's when things are going to go for real craze balls. Okay, it's gonna get nuts. It's gonna be that situation where the land your house is on is suddenly worth more than the house itself. And that's what you need to keep in mind. Is that sometimes we wait and we wait and we wait and then we miss an opportunity. And so I'd encourage you at this juncture to not wait. I'm not saying go out and do it right now, but start to look at it. Start to look at your options. Start talking to a loan officer to see what your next options are. Contact me and I can give you an idea of what your house is gonna be worth. And start to make a plan, especially, I mean, that, that's just to sell. If you're, if you're a, a first-time home buyer and you're just kind of sitting around waiting to buy something because uh, you don't like the idea of paying mostly interest or you don't want to be tied down to a certain spot, talk to me, okay? You can email me at Keith, that's K-E-I-T-H, at KeithCallister.com. That's K-E-I-T-H-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R.com. That's K-E-I-T-H at K-E-I-T-H-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R.com. I'll get a better email address for the podcast soon, I promise. And email me and find out. Or you can text me at 801-326-0315. That's 801-326-0315. Text me. We'll start a dialogue. And let's figure out and help you make a plan for the future. Because if you think things are crazy now, you don't even want to think about what's going to happen when there's no more buildable land in the Salt Lake Valley. That's when things are going to go crazy. So I know this was kind of all over the place. I just sort of recorded this particular topic on a whim. (laughs) Hopefully it makes some, some semblance of sense. Bottom line, if it were me, and it was me, I just, I just bought, I just bought my house. Want to make sure that I owned it before things went too nuts. But if you were my client, I'd be telling you that, yeah, well, it's hard and yeah, it's complicated and yeah, it feels a lot like it did back before the bubble burst. 
It's not. And if you're going to make a move, I really think that now is the time to make that move. And if enough of you do, then maybe we can bring some balance to the market and it won't go so nuts. Maybe we can get a handle on this growth so that you can purchase a home without feeling like everything's falling apart, without feeling like you have to make so many concessions. Because on the last point, what I tend to tell my clients, there are three things people want in their home. They want location, they want price, and they want condition. Usually you have to give up on one of those things, whether you have to pay a little bit higher price, whether you have to buy a home that needs a little bit more work than you anticipated, or whether you have to live in a different location than ideally you would want to. In the current market, people are getting so desperate that they're willing to give up two and sometimes even all three of those things in order just to get a property. But that's mostly because of a lack of inventory. So if we can solve the inventory problem, then we can solve all the other craziness that goes along with it and we can get ourselves back to a nice steady market. And a steady market is what everybody actually wants. I know as a seller, you want prices to be going up and up and up and up, but every seller tends to become a buyer. And you don't want that as a buyer. So if we can solve the inventory problem, I really think we can solve the overall psychosis of the current market. So that's what I've got for you today. Um, Again, sorry if it was just a a big old mess. I hope it all made sense because, man, this stuff can get really boring. But um, if you have any questions, text me, 801-326-0315, or you can email me at keith at keithcallister.com, and let's figure out what your situation is Um, if you... Want to be on the podcast, discuss some of this, same thing, contact me. We'll see what we can set up. If you know somebody who you feel would like to be on the podcast, be interviewed about local situations here, whether they own a business or they're a local artist or or whatever it might be, they run a nonprofit, those sorts of things. I'm interested in talking to all of those people and making sure that their story can get out there because at the end of the day, what we have are our stories and our stories are part of what makes up home. And with that, I will talk to you guys next time. Take care.